Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Today's episode of the 94 Feet Report is once again brought to you by Fan Essentials. How would you like to get all of your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your door? You have to check out fanessentials.net because all you do is pick your favorite sports team and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to and each fan box comes packed full with some amazing gear. Um, it also makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. Prices start at just $34.99. Visit fanessentials.net and use promo code 94FEET at checkout for 30% off your first month. Again, it's 94FEET, all caps, at checkout for 30% off your first month. You can visit fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need. Today, we are joined once again by Alex Bropolis to t- discuss some off-season fantasy basketball. Yes, it is only July 29th, but the news is coming in very slowly now. The free agency is pretty much come and gone, and we figured we might as well talk about fantasy basketball, something you can always talk about throughout the year. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm good, Eric. Thanks for having me on again. Glad to be here. All right. Let's get into it. Um, also, before we start quickly, I just want to remind everyone that you can read, uh, you can uh, listen to all the past episodes, not only on the site, 94 Feet Report, on Blog Talk Radio. You can also find us on iTunes and soon um, to be on Facebook as well. And we are also on Twitter, at the 94 Feet Report. Uh, you can listen to all our episodes through those channels. Uh, so I guess we can start off with some... Uh, First of all, just some winners and losers of free agency from a fantasy perspective. Uh, so, you know, specific players, um, etc. Um, and I'm just going to name, throw out some names and that I have on my sides of winners and losers, and you can tell me what you think about them. I'll start off with some of my winners. Um, one of my biggest winners is Al Horford. I mm-hmm. think that he's definitely the, the go-to guy, uh, definitely in the front court in Boston, but arguably the go-to guy in general. I know Isaiah Thomas is there, but... I think that Al Horford will get uh, increased usage um, in Boston, uh, not have to compete with Millsap, who is arguably right. just as good, if not better, player than than Horford. Um, I think he will get like a little bit more minutes if he can handle it. Uh, I know he's 30 years old. Um, I just like his situation in Boston. I think he gets more opportunities. Um, I think he plays with a better point guard, a better system. I just think Al Horford could see an increase in like you know two points per game maybe another rebound and an assist per game. I think he goes up like like three to four minutes a game. Um, I don't think he jumps up that much because he was like a top 20 fantasy player last season, but I think he is a winner um, in some perspective. What do you think about Horford and his move to Boston? Definitely like it for him, and I just think that it, it, a lot of how he improves um, you know, fantasy-wise will depend on how Brad Stevens de- decides to use him. I think that... You know, if he starts playing some of the more five, which is what a lot of people said that he was interested in doing when he was going and shopping himself for free agency, I think that that could provide another, um, you know, aspect to his game. You know, not only for rebounds, but also for sort of like you said before, he doesn't have to share the share the the front court with Millsap, and he doesn't have to share those shots and those those rebounds. Um, so I think that that Boston, you know, will provide a boost for Al Horford. Um, going on to one of my one of my winners, I think that Hassan Whiteside um, is a big winner when it comes to fantasy value after this offseason free agency. Just because now that Dwayne Wade is gone, he sort of is, is going to have to become the focal point of the offense. Um, going forward, he's going to be able to post up a lot more, which is something that he wanted to do, and it'll really give him, you know, the ability to sort of develop his point scoring and also you know just general game going forward just because he doesn't have to share shots with Dwayne Wade and also Luol Deng is gone now too so I think that Hassan Whiteside is definitely a winner for me um, in the fantasy wise this offseason yeah I think Hassan Whiteside can be a winner I don't know how much of, of an offensive, offensive game they haven't you know discovered or he hasn't discovered yet that will actually increase um, I think his usage will increase that's why his I usage think. will increase but then again he's not exactly a post you can't just throw it into, him, into right. the post and, and have him score. He's but more. They'll try it a lot more, I guess, and they it could. might help score. It, it might. It depends, especially if Bosch. If if Bosch comes back, Bosch is going to see extreme usage. I, I right. think it's back. It's his team if he comes back to a healthy level, and he could really be a top twenty player again. And again, who knows if he ever plays again? But yeah, I can see your point with Whiteside. I think. I mean, he's obviously the clear, you know, man with 
uh, Bosch doesn't come back. And uh, I can see him scoring a couple more points per game just for more involvement in the offense. But, I mean, I wouldn't say he's going to jump up, like, a crazy number of spots uh, in terms of fantasy. Um, I'm going to go to another winner. The pretty clear one. Everyone's been talking about it. Now that Katie's gone, the question is really, what will Westbrook put up this year? People are saying he's going to average triple-double. Um, everyone remembers that tear he went on when KD was not playing two seasons ago. Although they missed the playoffs, Westbrook was on an absolute tear, going on monstrous triple-doubles, easily the best fantasy player for those that like two- or three-month stretch. Um, and just this brings us to a question. This relates to another one I have, James Harden, uh, but we can talk about him a little bit. Russell Westbrook, it, would he be your number one draft pick in fantasy this season? I think you you kind of have to go with him just because he's you've seen what he has done when Durant is off the court and it's not like they didn't improve other aspects of the team. You know, they brought in Victor Lodipo who can shoot the basketball and he can make plays himself. So it's not like Westbrook is going to be completely alone and the the opposing defenses can solely focus on stopping him and making other like Steven Adams make plays. I think that Westbrook he can score he can rebound, he can pass, and he can steal. I mean, turnovers have always been an issue for him, particularly when you come to fantasy basketball. But I think that Westbrook, I think, has to be number one just because he does so many things so well and much better than anyone else. I mean, James Harden can score and he can, you know, he can pass too. But I think that, you know, it, it's it's going to be tough. You're going to be tough to find a player that's going to be doing more for his team just simply based on usage rate than Russell Westbrook. Well, the thing is that well, with both Westbrook and Harden, if you're playing in an A-category league, um, that doesn't include turnovers, then I mean, then their value is monstrous. The turnovers hurt both of them, obviously, and but obviously, even if even in a nine-category league with turnovers, you'd still take them one and one or two. Uh, I kind of am flip-flopping. I think I really think that what reason I have the reason I obviously have Westbrook as a winner is because Durant's gone, and we saw what Westbrook did with Durant. The the less clear reason why I have Harden as a winner is one, the Mike D'Antoni system, and two, kind of an underrated thing that Harden, Harden averaged seven and a half assists per game last season, and as a Rockets fan, and all Rockets fans will know this, that he was playing with people who couldn't shoot, right. and now that they brought in shooters, Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, I could easily see him jump up to nine or ten assists a game, I really think that, if he buys into the system, Harden's uh, D'Antoni system, he could really put, I think he could really put up 30 and 10 with about six rebounds. And, and the thing is that he doesn't get as much rebounds as Westbrook. He gets more threes than Westbrook. It kind of depends what kind of, you know, what kind of categories you need in. But I feel like if you're taking either one, it, it's basically you're, you're, you're set with one or two. If you take Harden at one, it doesn't matter. If you take Westbrook at one, they're going to have monstrous years, which is why I have them both as winners. Right, and, I, and just to be fair, I know Westbrook and Harden probably should be one and two. I also wouldn't discount a lot of people drafting Kevin Durant in the top, maybe top first pick. You know, I get the argument behind that saying, you know, he's sharing the ball with Thompson and Curry now. But, you know, if you look at it, he's, he has poised to have his assists go up. Um, you know, he might be rebounding more if he's playing if he's playing more of the four. Depends on how what kind of lineup they're playing in, in Golden State. So I wouldn't discount him. Uh, the NBA's new lead villain man, but I I would say that a lot of people I feel, depending on what they're looking for in their leagues and what their leagues, uh, you know, scoring settings are, they might draft Kevin Durant just because of you know he has, he might have a lot upside just based on how many points the Warriors will be scoring and that the tempo of that offense, um, compared to some of the other players. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I I mean, if I had the number one pick, I wouldn't, dra I the, I wouldn't yeah, draft Durant. Okay, yeah, I'm saying if I had the number one. Pick and West. If I had the number one or number two pick, like let's say I have number two and Westbrook's taken, I'm taking Harden. Or if the other one, if someone takes Harden at number one, I'm taking Westbrook at number two. Um, I think that Durant will actually have a lot. I really don't see his points going down. A lot of people are saying his points could go down. Obviously, less shots with only one ball with those. I mean, with Curry, Thompson, Durant, even Draymond Green gets 14 to 15 points a game. Right. But Durant will have a lot more open shots. I mean, easier to convert. Um, and yeah, as you said, uh, his passing should go up. I'm not sure how much because he won't be handling the ball like crazy with, with Curry there. But uh, I, I think that Durant and Curry's um, and Thompson, all the Warriors, I think their fantasy value decreased a little bit. 
I really don't think we're going to see Steph Curry with with 30 points no, a game again. But I think I think that the only reason that that I have some sense that Durant could be a top one or two player is because of he's like you say he's getting more open shots, and this depends entirely on two things. The, this, the way that Steve Kerr runs his offense, if he sort of does like what Billy Donovan did and sort of staggers the play between sort of make Durant be the focal point at certain times on the court, and also it depends on your league settings. If you play, if you get field goal, if field goal percentage is important to your league, then Durant might be better for you because he's going to be getting open shots. Yeah. If, tur- if turnovers, anyone, for that matter, exactly, anyone on the anyone Warriors, Warriors would be good. They're going to get open shots. Turnovers too. Like you said, he's going to be handling the ball less than he did probably in Oklahoma City which means he's probably going to have less opportunities for turnovers than compared to a Harden or a Westbrook. So I think that it depends on your league setting. So if you if you have a league where you're focused on those two things, then you could consider it wouldn't be unreasonable to draft Durant second ahead of Harden or Westbrook. But I think that in a standard league, well, the, the, you probably have to draft. The thing is that when, when you have – if you have a top pick, you're, basi- you're, you're dictating what your team is going to be. So – when people say, you know, you, if you're gonna, if you're not punting free throws, you gotta get, you know, you really have to get good free throw shooters right. in the first like ten ish picks. Um, with the first pick, with your first round pick, you can essentially dictate. I mean, what you what you have. Like, um, if you're playing in a nine category league and you and you take Westbrook or Harden, you're really, you know, you're not necessarily punting turnovers, but they're gonna right. hurt you. Um, obviously, no one really takes big men anymore in the first round that can't shoot free throws, but like in, you, you know, once you take that first big man that can't shoot free throws, you're gonna have to punt free throws. Right. Unless you take a big man in the later rounds, that can that can't shoot free, free throws. throws. Right. If you build your team with great free throw shooters until like round eight or nine, and you get a, a poor free throw shooter, you can you know you already have good free throw shooters to kind of counteract that, so you'll be top of the pack in that category. So, by your first round pick will essentially dictate your your rest of, the rest of your needs. You know, if, if you get a three point shooter like. Curry gives you a lot of threes, obviously, besides his points. Um, a lot of his points come from three, was basically what I'm trying to say. So you know that three-pointers are not going to be a huge need until the later rounds, but if you get someone like Westbrook who does not shoot many threes, um, then you, you realize you're going to have to you know, get threes in other players in, in the later rounds. So your first-round pick kind of dictates what you need from your team mm-hmm. later on. Um, I guess we, let's just move on to some more winners and losers. Uh, any other names you want to throw out? Um, for winners, I wanted to throw out um, Carmelo Anthony. I just think that the additions of, of Derrick Rose, um, of Joakim Noah, and then also the progression of Kristaps Porzingis, you know, pose, poses well for Melo, I think, this season. You know, he's getting up there in age. He's not going to be able to, you know, sort of dominate the offensive game as he could, let's say, even three, four years ago. But I think that the system around him, the players that are put around him have gotten better, which allows, which may take some of the attention off him and therefore free up him for better looks on offense, um, you know, spread the floor more, maybe pass the ball a little bit more. So I think that Melo is a, I think is a winner compared to if you look at who he's playing with last year versus who he's playing with this year, you have to like the way that his fantasy value will probably increase as a result of the moves by Phil Jackson. Yeah, I mean, Melo was the 34th rated fantasy player according to ESPN last season, which was pretty low for someone of his caliber. And, right, and but his... think about who he was playing with. Exactly, you know? so I'm saying that I really see, I could definitely see him jumping, uh, jumping back into like that kind of 20th range. Right. Uh, I think he, he's an underrated passer. I, he can actually pass pretty well. I've seen him pass. He can pass if, when he has teammates that can actually finish for him. Another year of Christoph Porzingis, he had a point. Now, the thing is that with Derrick Rose there, I'm not sure how he does handling the ball with with Melo. That right. could that could have some issues, but that's Jeff Hornacek's problem, problem to deal with. Uh, they all, all the players have to buy in. Rose has to buy in to not just handling the ball on his own, having a crazy usage percentage. Uh, Melo should Melo will still be the, the go-to guy, but if they you know double him, he can pass out to players that are you know actually competent and can finish. You know, Courtney Lee is a good shooter. Joakim Noah can be a pretty solid shooter on the rim. Uh, Derrick Rose can can finish at the rim too. Um, again, another thing, uh, I could see him as a winner, but I wouldn't. I'm not ex- exactly ecstatic about Carmelo's fantasy value because, again, not, I just mentioned Rose's high usage percentage. Joakim Noah is a very good passer for a big man, so they right. might run sets through him. Um, it depends if Melo wants to get involved in you know cutting to the basket, not doing his usual mid range you know yeah. mid range jumpers po- and post ups. Post up and then fade away. And then of course they're gonna have possessions for Porzingis in the post. Uh, possession surrounded around Porzingis. I feel like Melo, the the real 
jump in Melo's fantasy value, I think his scoring will stay about the same. I think his jump could be in about two assists more per game, maybe. Right, and I, and better, and I think he could have better uh, shooting percentage, which is important for someone like Melo, or uh, just a straight up scorer. Um, if he adds like two assists per game and, and like a couple more percentage points on his shooting percentage, that is a jump up in like ten fantasy spots. Right, exactly, and I, exactly, I don't think he's gonna jump up into that top fifteen range where you consider him around for a first round pick. But I think that. Based comparing from last year to what I think he'll be doing this year, I think that you have to view the moves that have been happening offseason to help make him a winner in fantasy value um, going forward, at uh, least for this year. Yeah, so let's, let's just move on to another name I have. Um, Paul Millsap I have as a winner. Um, we talked about Al Horford. Um, Millsap was a great fantasy player last year. Um, he just contributes in so many categories. He was the 11th rated player, according to ESPN. Um, no one really seems to talk about him, though he's the 11th rated player, almost top 10 in fantasy. Right. This guy contributes in almost every category. He's added a pretty solid three-point shot. Uh, he rebounds. He blocks shots. He gets steals. He scores. Pretty high free throw percentage. Um, pretty high field goal percentage in general. Um, and the thing is that I'm, I'm not labeling him as a huge winner. I'm labeling him as a winner for, for essentially two reasons. One, it's a contract year for him. Right. And even if he sucks, someone will throw out a max at him probably. But, you know, everyone says, you know, contract year. Play harder. Play hard. Two, he's he's fired up, I think. You know, the Hawks openly disrespected him when they were, sh- when they were shopping him around to try and keep Horford over him. I, I'm not saying he wants to prove to the Hawks that they were, you know, dumb for doing that. But I think he wants to prove to the rest of the league that, you know, I'm a, I'm a top 10, 15 player in this league. Right. Also, number th- number two... Uh, yes, they brought in Dwight Howard, but I think that once the Hawks, as a Rockets fan, I watched Dwight Howard for the past, it was just essentially the past year when he was just a, a pathetic. Once they realized, you know, the Hawks fans are talking like, oh, we got Dwight Howard, he's going to rejuvenate in our system. Once they figure out after the first 10 or 15 games that Dwight Howard does not post up anymore, and he does not want to do pick and roll, they will go back to Horford, and Dwight will, I think, will essentially turn into just a defensive first player. I don't know if he's going to pout about that. Maybe he finally recognizes what his true role is. I think Millsap is, is, the, is the absolute clear go-to in Atlanta. Right. They got rid of Jeff Teague. Dennis Schroeder, not exactly um, you know, a scoring point guard. I don't know if he's exactly ready to, to take over. They're going to rely on Millsap a lot to make the playoffs as, a, as like a middle seed. Um, so I think his usage percentage will go up. He'll bring up the same stats as last year. I don't think he's going to jump up that crazy because he was already 11th, and the players in front of him are just, you know... Those are the superstars. But I think he can, he can ex- pretty much continue to give you the same exact stats, but maybe contribute a little bit more points because he's going to rely on more. Because Horford can score better than Dwight. Right, exactly. And, and also because Horford's not there, they, they sort of played a very similar... They have a very similar game, uh, Millsap and Horford, and now that Dwight has a very distinct game from Millsap, so I think that it will either, you know, they might set possessions where they want to post up Dwight in the paint, but that means that, you know, that's not going to be interfering with the shots that Millsap gets because Dwight will probably get less of those possessions than Horford required to to get his points and his stats in a game. Yeah. So I think that that's, Millsap's, I think, a winner because, mostly because Horford is gone and they replaced him with a very different kind of player than the one they they let go. Yeah. Uh, any other winners on your list? Um, no, I think cover all my winners. I'm gonna switch to losers. First loser. Well, I have two loser losing teams. I think, and this is gonna sort of contradict. One of them is gonna sort of contradict what I said about Kevin Durant. I think the Warriors. I think everyone besides Kevin Durant and the Warriors is gonna see a decrease it in sort of their fantasy value. Not only because they sold Kevin Durant on the fact that they were willing to step back to get him to come to the team. But I think that, you know, and that's sort of going to result in Kevin Durant feeling more comfortable in taking more shots, pressure on Steve Kerr and other players to sort of get Kevin Durant those looks. So it's going to result in particularly, you know, Draymond Green might see less uh, shots of game. You know, Clay, Clay Thompson might not see, um, you know, those shots again. Not to say that they're, those shots that they do see will probably be very open and very high percentage shots for them. But I think that the, the, the counteracting of that would be that they're going to see much less shots than they would normally. The second team that I have is loser, and this is particularly focused on their big men, is the Orlando Magic. I think that the Orlando Magic, with the influx of Serge Ibaka, is sort of going to crowd up that front court with Vucevic and Aaron Gordon. It's going to hinder his development, 
And you know, Vucevic is a, is a good fantasy player. You know, he he gets a lot of rebounds. He can score at a high percentage and in, in field goal percentage. Um, but also, I think you have to c- counteract that with the fact that they lost Victor Oladipo, who was sort of like a facilitator on their team. He was a one of their best scorers. And also, you know, now it's going to rely a lot on Peyton to sort of facilitate the offense um, as opposed to Victor Oladipo. So I think that that's going to sort of decrease the value of all those players, including Serge Ibaka, who is now going to be, you know, he didn't see too many shots on Oklahoma City, but he was sort of the focal point of the front court for them. Um, yeah. Particularly, you know, not much in the playoffs where you saw Steven Adams emerge, but I think that he's going to see a decrease in usage because they have to spread it around. What do you think? Uh, yeah, so I mean, we, we pretty much talked enough about the Warriors, so I'll talk about the Magic. Uh, the Magic, uh, a couple things. One, Frank Vogel said that he's going to play Aaron Gordon at small forward, kind of like a Paul George. I don't, but he's not the same player right, as Paul George. I don't see that working out. I see them scratching that pretty quickly in the year once they figure out that Gordon is just not that type of player. Um, just from an offseason, just not even from a fantasy perspective, so many people, including myself, are just so confused with their moves. I mean, it's almost like they want to get rid of Vucevic to bring in Biombo. Vogel, was, I think Vogel also said something like they're going to want to win, as a joke, they're going to win games like 70 to 68 or huh. something. Like they, they're going to be a defensive team. What, on a five-minute quarter or something? With Vogel, yeah. With, with Vogel as coach, defensive first coach, they brought in Biombo, Ibaka. They brought in so many defensive guys in the front court. I feel like they're trying to phase out Vucevic. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't make sense to be paying $16 million a year for Biombo to be a backup center. Um, I see Gordon's fantasy value decreasing unless there's a trade. Um, I see all of their fantasy values decreasing, essentially. Um, I think the ball movement's not going to be crisp. Yeah. Um, their, their spacing is going to be horrible. Alfred Payton can't shoot. Fournier can shoot. And then you're going to put Gordon at small forward. He can't shoot. Ibaka can shoot threes, but not very well. He had a pretty poor season from three last year. Um, and then Vucevic hasn't added the three-point shot yet. And so the shooting is going to be pretty poor, especially if you put in Biombo and Ibaka or Biombo and Gordon. Any, yeah. of the, any of those combos, the shooting is going to be very poor. This Magic team is going to be very defensive. I would not be looking to draft any of their players in, in the first round, really. I don't see any first-round no. value. I don't see second-round value. You're probably going to start looking for like, you know, an Ibaka or Vucevic. or Vucevic or Fournier if you need shooting. There are players on that team that will give you that will contribute in certain categories, but right. you're not looking... I just think almost all of their fantasy values were decreased once they turn into a... They have a completely different identity now. Right, exactly. And to be fair, if you're looking to fill up blocks, you know, you might want to be drafting a couple of guys from Orlando Magic. Yeah, Baca, Biombo. Biombo, exactly. And and also field goal percentage, too, because they yeah. those guys typically shoot a higher percentage of field goal than, say, the average on the league. Um, another guy I have as a loser, and this might go with one, compare with one of the people you have on your list, I have LaMarcus Aldridge as a slight decrease in fantasy value with the addition of Paul Gasol, just because I, I think that, um, you know, although Paul Gasol is getting up there in years, and I think that although he's going to require less shots, and he's sort of trying to go, I think he's going to buy into that Popovich system. I think that just simple, the, simply the addition of another talented big man to the roster sort of decreases the value that you could potentially see from LaMarcus Aldridge, just because you're going to have another person who is capable of making similar plays to what he does almost at a similar level. Because Paul Gasol can still play on offense. Yeah, he was a 21st rated fantasy exactly. player last year. He had, he had a great year offensively for the Bulls. And I don't see him dropping off. So, like I don't see him falling off a cliff just because he comes to San Antonio. So I think that you know last year, LaMarco Jaldis was able to be the focal point on post-ups. You know, he did a lot of stuff inside the paint for the Spurs. You know, because Tim Duncan was on the bench, mm-hmm. I think that um, Paul Gas- Paul Gasol is sort of gonna f- he's, he has to start basically, and he's gonna take away some of the looks from 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 Aldridge. So I think that's why I see him as a little bit of a loser. You know, they're gonna probably win same amount or a little bit more games because of Paul Gasol. Yeah. But I think that fantasy value, Lamarcus Aldridge goes down. I I agree with what you're saying. I. I- I can see LaMarcus Aldridge as a loser, but I didn't see him as a loser enough to put him on this list. I actually have Paul Gasol as the loser in free agency because he's going to San Antonio. What that means, no matter who you are, unless you're, I mean, especially if you're at Paul Gasol's age, you're going to get fewer minutes and you're most likely going to get fewer shots. Right. The thing with Gasol is he might 
and most likely will have an, an increase in assists because he is such a good passer as a big man. They're going to run offensive sets through him. Right. When Parker's on the bench and they have Gasol on the court, he will essentially be getting the ball kind of at the elbow. He'll be the facilitator. And facilitating. Right. Right. Um, I don't see Lamarcus Aldridge get being that much of a loser. I think he's going to have very similar numbers. I think he's the clear in the hierarchy of, of you know shot shot attempts. It's probably still Lamarcus and then maybe Kawhi and Paul Gasol tied. Right. Because LaMarcus is still a go-to guy, and he's still in his prime, you know. Um, he is that max contract guy that they brought in last season, you know, to take over, really, with mm-hmm. Kawhi once Duncan and, and Ginobili and Parker are phased out, which has already started. I think that I can see LaMarcus Aldridge not increasing in any ways, maybe dropping a, a spot or two, but nothing too noticeable. I see Gasol dropping, as I said, he was the 21st-rated player last year. I could see him dropping to number, like, 30, where LaMarcus is kind of last year. They could be two guys in the very similar categories, like, they could both be like in the in around thirty, right? So I, I think that they're both essentially losers. But I see Paul Gasol as a little bit more of a loser because he came from a bull system where he had a lot of minutes, a lot of free range. This is a Spurs system where you know what you're doing in the Spurs system. You're not getting as many shot attempts. You're resting a lot more because especially because he's old. Team ball, right? I, I'm not saying the Bulls didn't play team ball, but obviously, you know, it's a different system in Chicago than it was in San Antonio. So I think Gasol's going to see less minutes, less shots. Probably more assists. I think he's a slight loser more than Lamarcus. What do you think about the fact that they by adding Paul Gasol they added another player who can at times take over the offense at certain times. So you know last year it was it was like you know you had periods in which Lamarcus all just took over the Spurs offense. Every possession would seemingly seemingly go to him. And sort of it would result in him, you know, doing a, a post-up move, a fadeaway, a, you know, a jumper, and then you also have times where Kawhi Leonard takes over the offensive game when he shoot, when he, you know, we when he drives, when he shoots. But then you add Paul Gasol, and I think that you can see at times well, there'll be times where Lamarcus Aldridge is on the court, but he's not going to be the focal point of the offense. Yeah. It's going to be solely focused on you know Paul Gasol. You know, he's he's you know he got hot, and now we're just going to feed him the ball as opposed to some of those looks would have gone to Lamarcus Aldridge. And therefore, it's. It, I think his ceiling is a lot lower than it was. I say his floor is the same, and I think he probably will average the same size, But I don't think you're going to see him, you know, potentially explode this this year. No, I, I, think, I think he could have if Paul Gasol wasn't there. I think you've seen Lamarcus's best seasons as a fantasy player. Uh, you know, two seasons ago that monstrous year in Portland, and then last season, last season he was the 31st player. I think he's going to stay right around, you know, 30. Anywhere from 25 to 30 next year. Um, I agree. Uh, and the things he could be used as a decoy on offense for right. Gasol and, and Kawhi. I don't know. It's very hard to predict San Antonio, especially their fantasy value. You never know when they're going to sit those players. You never know how many minutes they're going to get. Right. If they're blowing teams out. It's so hard to predict. I think that I think that pretty much all of them except Kawhi, because no, they didn't bring any competition for Kawhi. I think LaMarcus and Gasol are, are both losers. But I see Gasol as a slight bigger loser because he's coming from a complete different system right so i just know he's gonna get less minutes and less shots meanwhile lamarcus he's already familiar with the spurs system etc all right so another loser i have is essentially a, a a section of a team i initially had evan turner as a loser on portland but then i realized that i think it's all blazers wings uh alan crab mo harkless uh and evan turner um are all losers to right. me i wouldn't say cj mccollum's a loser because he's a clear go-to guy beside behind behind lillard um, Lillard and McCollum, I think, are still, you know, the same exact thing. They might actually in- increase their fantasy value, but those wings they brought in or re-signed, actually, um, I think they're all losers. Turner doesn't fit with their system. He takes away minutes from Crab, who was a good shooter last year, and he played pretty well in the playoffs. Harkless started for them in the playoffs and did pretty well. They all were re-signed, massive contracts. I know you have your thoughts on the Blazers, but I think they're all losers because they, no matter what, not only do, not not only does Turner not fit, but he takes away minutes from Crab, he takes away minutes from Harkless. Who's going to start? Who's going to get the most minutes? They all have massive contracts. I think they're all losers. I think the Blazers' wings are lo- small forward position are losers. Right. Oh, man. I, I guess that uh, the GM, Neil Olshie, did, really didn't listen to the last podcast where we sort of gave him a, a telling to Not about... a shocker that he didn't listen to the last podcast. But uh, gave him a talking to about signing these these guys to seemingly ridiculous contracts. They just signed... They, I, what is it? They have like 120. Well, they're gonna. They, I read that they're gonna avoid the luxury tax this season, but next season they 
are looking at potentially a, a massive bill of luxury tax, like a fifty million or something. Right, and 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 not for a very special team. They don't no. have like a they, they, for a team that would have gotten eliminated in the first round last year. Exactly. And they only brought in Evan Turner. Exactly, and that's it. And but they resigned guys like Marcus well, Perspectum. He's a good NBA player, but I don't know if he's necessarily worth ten million a year when you already signed Evan Turner to a exactly. even larger contract than that. Just like a couple of weeks before, you know, they signed McCollum, who was a good, and I don't think they should have let him go. But I, I don't know the direction. Like I said last time, I don't know the direction in which they're taking is going to bring a great deal of success to the board. I don't see them competing with any of the teams. I see them being like a six or a five seed and probably losing in the first round if they get if they get lucky injuries like they had last exactly. year. They can win, but. This I'd, team, at their be- if they play at their best and get a little bit lucky, I could see them getting a four seed. I think this team just needs luck to, to advance anywhere in the playoffs, really. I mean, if they get a, if they get home court advantage, they could win a series just straight up. But this team, I don't like the potential. I mean, as we noticed, I mean, I was looking through their roster in 2K. They've got their third-string center, Myers Leonard, getting $10 million, million yeah, a exactly. year. Mo Harkless is a third-string small forward, potentially a, a, what are they, a backup small ball four. $10 million a right. year. Crab $17 million a year. Turner, $17 million a year. Some, I mean, you have to play these guys to warrant their contracts, but who's going to get the minutes? Who's going to start? They're all losers to me. Turner especially because he doesn't fit in with the system. He, I mean, there could be so much friction with the, with these pieces that even, like, McCollum sees a hit. Right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm worried for Blazers' value besides Lillard. I'm not really worried about McCollum, but there's no way Lillard goes down. He's the alpha male. It's his team. McCollum... He's. They all obviously see him as as the second face of the franchise with that massive, uh, that max extension right. they just gave him. But the small forward wings on the Blazers are are losers. I just think they have too many players, too big of a contracts, just too few minutes to spread right. around those guys. Um, and also, I just think that like the I guess the the Portland Trailblazers front office like I guess they woke up one day and thought they were in like the Eastern Conference from like two years ago where mm-hmm. you could like do these moves and probably be the number two seed in the East. And then lose to the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, or the Heat. Sorry, two years two years ago, Heat Cavs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I'm just saying, like you're in the Western Conference. Like, look at who's at the top. You have the Warriors, who just finished the best regular season in history, and then lost to the Cavs in seven. Then you have the Spurs, who are you know had one of the best seasons in regular season history, but they didn't get noticed because the Warriors were even that much better than them. And you, you you sort of can't look at yourself and say we've tied up all this money in these these this set of guys, but it's not it, it, these guys haven't shown the ability to take you anywhere beyond what you just accomplished last year, and even that because you had in, you faced an injured team. Yeah, they they got they got lucky with the Clippers. They most people assume they would have lost that series, and then yes, they had a great fun series with the Warriors, but they did lose in five, right. in a seven game series. Um, yes, they pushed them at times. Curry missed the first two games of that series anyways. Uh, this team is like almost locked in to be a four through six seed for the next three to four years. Right. And, I mean, that doesn't warrant such a big luxury tax bill. But, hey, we're not, we're here, not, to, we're not here to analyze, you know, um, luxury tax bills and, and what the owner wants to pay. He wants to pay. He wants to have a fun product on the court. Go ahead. This team's not going to be winning anytime soon. And the Blazers' wings fantasy value took a big hit this right. offseason. Uh, so another win- a loser I have a loser, uh, I have Dwayne Wade, as a loser, mm-hmm. and this could also extend to Rajon Rondo and in a sense Jimmy Butler. Uh, it's a nice story. Dwayne Wade's going home. Blah blah blah. He's 34. He was great in the playoffs last season. Uh, almost took almost carried the Heat to the Eastern Conference Finals. Lost in seven to the Raptors in the second round. But he's going to a team that has Butler, who's in his prime. And he should be the face of the franchise. And again, the Bulls, the Bulls keep disrespecting him, so who knows? They have Butler there, and they'd be—I would be okay with Wade going just with Butler. But then they bring in Rajon Rondo. Rondo, who needs the ball in his hands. And another reason why they take such a hit, just as a team, the Bulls have absolutely no shooting now. This is not even right. from a fantasy thing, but I mean, these guys have absolutely no three-point shooting. Butler's three-point shooting took a huge hit last season. Rondo can't hit, and Wade can't shoot threes either. The thing is that Wade needs the ball in his hands to do his, you know, kind of, not necessarily isolation, but his post-ups, mid-range, etc., where he's known for. Uh, Butler needs the ball in his hands to, to be the superstar that he wants, that he, you know, is, and most people consider him to be. And Ronald needs the ball in his hands to facilitate the offense, pass, you know. He has high usage percentage, but they all can't shoot, so they all can't really play off the ball. 
So when they don't have the ball in their hands, what are they doing? They're going to have to cut to the basket. I mean, Wade's 34. I don't know. I just see this clashing. Wade's not going to have the same amount of opportunities. Rondo's not going to have the same amount of opportunities. Uh, and Butler won't have the same opportunities, I don't think. I think they all three of those players' fantasy value hit. I think Wade is almost the most, though. And also, I think that Wade is also the most because, don't forget, he's another year in the league. Exactly. He's getting up there in age. You know, he played very hard and a, lo- a relatively long playoff series versus the Raptors. And then, you know, he sort of had a long playoffs and you know, he played a lot of minutes, which is someone, you know, it's dangerous for someone who's getting up there in his age and tenure yeah. in the NBA. So if not just for the fact that he's going to be with players who also need the ball in their hands, it's a fact that, you know, he is he going to be rested as much? Like what kind of, what is Hoiberg going to do to sort of counteract the aging exactly, symptoms yeah. of the Dwayne Wade? Um, you know, yeah, maybe he'll be inspired and play great because, you know, he's at home and he's feeling great back in, in the beginning of the season. But I don't see that lasting for the whole 82 games just because of his age and the system that I think that is currently set up for the Chicago Bulls and bringing in the pieces like Rondo to do that. I would have loved – I mean, I would be raving about Jimmy Butler's fantasy value if the Bulls had just done a full rebuild for a rebuild around him. Right, and just sort of let him which go is what most, Which is what most people thought they were going to do. And then they bring in Rondo, they're like, eh, I don't think they're rebuilding. Then they bring in Wade, and they're like, okay, this team just wants to be like a six seed for the next two years or something. Right. Um, I know you're higher on the Bulls than I am next season, but... Um, I just don't think Rondo is as bad, as, as dangerous as... to the team as you might think he is. I think that with the right... I, I, never, I don't think that, you know, throughout Rondo's career, I don't think he's been with a, a leader on a team that sort of could steer him in the right direction. You know, Kevin Garnett... He's a good leader. Paul Pierce is a good leader, but I don't say they necessarily, you know, they might have encouraged him to sort of, you know, be the way he is in the locker room and on the court. But I think that Dwayne Wade could sort of, you know, he's the guy that is universally respected in the league. And even, I think, a guy like Rajon Rondo, who has had his troubles, could be respected. Like, he's playing with DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know if that's the best influence on his game yeah, and his locker room. All I know is that, I mean, I've, I've heard people who follow, like, follow and watch the Kings last season on Twitter saying that Rondo just openly did not care about playing true defense. was only looking to, you know, get some steals and get his stats. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just think that maybe Wade, is a, who's a strong personality, can fix him up. But also, Wade has been known to be quite the diva sometimes. Um, this is we're, we're talking about the locker room. We should be talking about the fantasy value. I think they all three of them take a hit. Yes, all I don't, of them. I don't see the fit. Um, but as I was saying, if the Bulls had done what almost like what we thought the Blazers were doing last year, which is what they were doing, the Blazers were we predicted when Aldridge left that they would be horrible, horrible. but Lillard would be have monstrous fantasy value because it'd be his team. Um, but they actually, you know, they won I think 46 or 44 games um, last season and obviously made the second round with with luck to the Clippers injuries. But I was I would be more confident in, in Butler's uh, fantasy value. I mean, he was 27th rated player last year. I would easily have him like 15th. Or even top fifteen, if they just did a rebuild without Rondo and, and Wade with Butler, and just the ball. he would be the man in Chicago. Uh, but they didn't do that. I think his fantasy value gets hurt. I think Wade's gets hurt, and Rondo's I think will get hurt. But I think Rondo's will, will stay around the same thing because all he needs to do is get the same amount of assists, really. Right, and also I think that it's interesting now, and this is more of a general statement about the way that the that NBA franchises are sort of structuring themselves to compete. Um, you know, the way that you have players joining up with one another sort of dilutes the quality of NBA fantasy value. Yeah. So Kevin Durant joining the Warriors hurts Green, Thompson, and Curry, and also probably hampers him a little bit. And it's you sort of look for a team... So what you're looking for in fantasy players is different from what you're looking for when you're trying to win a, a, a championship. Exactly. Because you're trying to get guys who are going to take them a lot of shots, are going to have 100% or 85% control of the basketball when they're on the court. And you want the guys who are going to fill the stat line, but not necessarily win. So you think like the Bulls are trying to do these moves to compete and to win. But yeah, everyone from a fantasy value, you want Jimmy Butler to sort of be by himself and take 25 shots a game and sort of you know have control of the Bulls' offense. Exactly. When 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 a couple things. One, when I did a uh, fantasy basketball episode with Josh Lloyd last season, we talked about busts, and we're talking about and we explained in that episode, you know, when we're talking about busts, we're talking about from a fantasy perspective. You know, we say, I think one of the busts we mentioned was Andrew Wiggins. Like, we 
we're not saying that Wiggins is going to have a bad year in the NBA. Right. We're saying fantasy value, it will not be where he's getting drafted. Right. So whenever you see all these bust, this bust talk, mm-hmm. it's not that these guys are going to have horrible years. I'm not saying that all my losers, like Gasol is going to have a bad year and the, and the Blazers' wings are going to have bad right. years. They're not going to have the fantasy the value, value that, you want. that correlates with where they're projected to get drafted and where they often will be drafted. Right. So it's not it's so di- it's so important to differentiate between fantasy value and NBA re- regular value, right. you know real life value. Right. But I'm saying that like the the trend in which the league has sort of taken on since the since the you know Garnett and Ray Allen and went to Celtics and LeBron went to the Heat and KD now went to the Warriors. Super teams, it's super teams is is it makes room for players who you don't necessarily think of as high level talents to become extremely valuable fantasy assets. Because of the amount of control and looks and the dominance that they get in the in their team system yeah. that allows them to be the top ten or top eleven player, like that that you don't necessarily think that they would be. Yeah, I mean a couple play. I mean I have some minor winners on my list that exactly kind of explain the situation. Jeremy Lin. I'm not saying Jeremy Lin's gonna have a great year and he's gonna revitalize the Nets, but he's gonna get. He's gonna. He's gonna start. Besides Brook Lopez, he's the second option on that Nets right. team. They traded away Thaddeus Young. He's going to have a lot more shot attempts, the ball in his hands a lot. I mean, he could easily go back to the Linsanity 14-6, which is good fantasy value right, for exactly. him, right? A late-round pick. It's not going to win the Nets any games, exactly. but it'll win you some fantasy Another games guy when have, you get him. Exactly, exactly. Harrison Barnes. He's not going to have a monstrous year. He's not going to develop into a top five, top ten He's not going to lead the Mavs forward. to 50 wins. Exactly. But... He automatically gets more attempts. He basically replaces Parsons. Um, he comes over with his friend Andrew Bogut and, and another Curry and Seth. Um, he's going to get more. I mean, uh, they still have Dirk, but Dirk is another year older. He was still good last year, but Barnes is going to grow. He has a, he's a max deal. He's in, he's in Dallas for the foreseeable future. He's going to grow into his player, and he can. And this is his chance to show. You know, he's going to be motivated to show that. You know, he's. I mean, I would say worth the max, but like he's going to show that he can be a good player. He's going to have more opportunities probably in, increase in fantasy value. Not saying he's going to have a great NBA season. Not, he's not going to lead the Mavericks to 50 wins, like exactly. I just said. Even like a guy like Ryan Anderson. Ryan Anderson came off the bench in New Orleans so they could that they could play Anthony Davis at power forward and and uh, Omar Ashik at center. Now he's going to be the starting power forward, which automatically is like an increase in 5 to anywhere to 5 to 10 minutes per game more, um, if you can handle it, obviously. But that, that means more attempts. Playing with James Harden, easier looks. Exactly. These guys are going to have better. They have better fantasy situations. Not necessarily going to have better numbers, though. I think Anderson will. But like Jeremy Lin will have better numbers. Barnes should have better numbers. You know, you know Eric Gordon slash Ryan Anderson just moving. You know, situations will have better numbers. Doesn't mean they're going to have great NBA seasons that lead to a lot of NBA wins right. on the court. Exactly. We're talking about wins in fantasy. That's all we care about. We care about their numbers, especially if we're playing in an eight cat. We don't care about turnovers, so it's it's great. Um, <laughs> So I guess we can. Any other minor names you haven't mentioned for winners and losers? I have uh, Dwight Howard on the fence because, he, you know, they're talking the talk in the offseason. Like he's gonna, you know, the Hawks are the Hawks. The Hawks organization is saying, you know, you know, Dwight's here, right? We can. He's gonna. We're gonna revitalize him. He will play. You know, he'll get us post ups. He'll be happy. He'll be involved. I don't think so. Right. We. Everyone says that he's gonna go in there. The Hawks system is not made for Dwight Howard post-ups. I don't get – no one understands the fit in Atlanta besides its hometown. I think that they're going to try and post him up, like I said earlier in the show, try and post him up, realize it doesn't work, goes back, go back to Millsap and, and passing the ball, and Dwight gets upset. Dwight's best attribute besides his defense is pick, running the pick and roll. He's right. a monstrous pick and roll player, great finisher. He refused to do it last season. Clint Capella had more pick and roll finishes than he did last season. Scary. Scary. But I see him almost as a winner because, I mean, it could it get worse than last year in Houston when he was bas- openly pouting and not getting the ball? I don't think so. I think he's going to get a couple more opportunities per game, mm-hmm. at least initially through the season. And maybe he finally has some kind of, you know, revelation that, hey, you know, let me get involved in other ways. Maybe Budenholzer can finally get to him and tell him, run the pick and roll. Right. Our offense is dependent on it. You're great at it. Do it. I could see him jumping up to, you know, back to like 17 points per game and, right. and, and 12 rebounds, which is good fantasy value. Then again, he can get hurt, barely play, and be a bust in fantasy value. Right. Uh, I, that's why I have him on, on the kind of the fence of a winner and loser. Right. And I, another guy that I think is also on the fence, like Dwight, um, but for entirely different reasons, is Carl Anthony Towns. I think that you could see Carl Anthony Towns as a winner. I think you could see him improving on his 18 points per game. 
and his ten and a half rebounds. I think that he has the potential to become probably one, probably one of, if not the best, four slash five in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but and that just simply because of you know natural development. You know, they say he's working on his three point three pointer. That might add a new dimension to his game that yeah. people might not be prepared for. But also, you can see him as a loser. You know, now you have the pressure. Pe- teams will start to focus on you a lot more. They've seen you in a year. You know, they have one year of film to watch when they come to prepare against you. You know, you have to get a lot more attention. So you could see him drop off. And also with the development of other players like Wiggins, who sort of is sort of, you know, beginning to come into his own in the league. So yeah. you could see him on the fence. I would, personally, I think that Carlton Towns is going to improve. I don't think he's going to decrease his stats from last year. I think he'll be in greater fantasy value. You know, you could see him even being, you know, definitely top five, you know, even potentially top three, depending on how good of a year he has. If he gets to 22 and 14 rebounds, you know, that's, you can't, you can hardly top that yeah. when you're talking about fantasy value. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would be hesitant to draft him top three. I th- he was seventh player last year. Um, the guys in front of him are pretty hard to jump. Um, because mo- some of them have their situation gotten even better, uh, a la Harden and Westbrook. Right, um, but you have a guy like Draymond Green who is sixth. We, we could probably, and probably, probably jump fall over down. him. But the thing with Green is he gets his fantasy value essentially from everything besides scoring. Right. So it, that's probably going to stay the same. But um, especially if you're playing in a dynasty league like I am this year, Carl Anthony Towns has got to be at one of your top picks because not he's basically like three or four years younger than anyone in, the, in front of him in some cases. I think he'd probably be, if I... I think it'd probably be the second pick in the draft. And I think you have you have no choice but to because, simply yeah. because you know Durant and Curry. If this is a dynasty league, Durant, and Curry, and CP3, and all those guys are you know they're up there. Conte Towns is what like 20, 22, 21, 21? 22, I think. Twenty one. He's gonna he has an, another you know possibly eleven, twelve years of doing what he did last year, but yeah. even better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing with Towns, I don't see his fa- I don't see anyone they brought in that can comp- compete with his fantasy value. Um, Wiggins last year was already a 20-point score, right? And that's pretty much a ceiling. He's not going to jump up to 25 points per game. I don't think he's not that good of a score. No, he's a better. He's a good defender, which is also where he adds fantasy value. So I don't. I and mean, they didn't really bring anyone to compete with Towns. I think that they brought in a better coach. Um, another year of Towns just developing uh, his mental aspect of the game, his physical aspect of the game. He's been through a year of the NBA. Um, I think he only goes up from here. Yeah, he averaged 18 and 10 and a half. I think it easily could jump up to 20 and 11 next year. You know, it's a pretty good improvement, but not like you know, in, in like in, like shocking, right? Right. Um, and then he jumps up to a peak of like like kind of like peak Dwight numbers. Maybe not as many rebounds, but better field goal percentage, like like a 23 and 12, 23 and 12, 23 and 13 guy. Right. Um, but next year I can see his points go up, up like a point or two, his rebounds go up like a rebound or two. You know, maybe an extra block. Better free, free, uh, field goal percentage. You could even add uh, three-point value, which I think is very important as a stretch five. So I think his value can go up. He could easily get to like a top six or top five fantasy value. Um, so then, just quickly, let's end. Um, we already analyzed most of these moves, but I mean, in your opinion, what are the three most significant moves or changes during the free agency from a fantasy perspective? Um, I'll give you my top three, and you'll probably agree with them because I think right. it's the only three, but KD to the Warriors yes, definitely. hurts all the Warriors. It pretty much, we had said, hurts almost all the Warriors' fantasy value, yeah. including potentially KD's and most likely KD's in a little bit, but just but increases Westbrook's fantasy value by a good amount. Um, Horford to the Celtics, um, I think Horford goes up in fantasy value, Millsap goes up in fantasy value. Um, Dwight on the fence there, too. Dwight on he the could fence. Be, he could be good, it could be bad, but either way, it's going to make a change to his... Either way, it affects Dwight Howard, but most importantly, the two big guys from that from that move are Horford increasing in value and Millsap increasing in value. Yeah. And third, I got Wade to Chicago. I We already talked about it. I think Wade's value goes down. I didn't even mention this but um, in my notes, but I think Rondo's value goes down. I think Butler's value goes down in that yeah, team. definitely. Um, so those are all the, the most significant moves and changes during free agency from a fantasy perspective. Again, it's only July 29th, so... but. You know the teams are pretty much set in stone. We just gotta wait till training camps to find out what the rotations are gonna be for these teams that have so many players. Exactly, and then you sort of have to wait until you know there's been more. You can see average draft positions of certain players to determine whether or not they're gonna be matching their their potential value or not. If they're being drafted too high, too low, etc. Yeah. Um, so any other any other notes from from a fantasy perspective you have? Uh, no fantasy perspective. I just want to do a quick loser of the week. 
Um, the, oh yeah, I forgot our, our segment: winners and losers of the week. Well, you know we can see it because it's a special fantasy basketball That's special. True. But I, it, this loser is so bad that I had to put it in the Chinese basketball team. The Ch- I don't understand a why they agree to play the United States and b why do they play them twice? Not one time. They play them twice to be embarrassed. I know it's not widely watched, but you know everyone in China is watching it, and they, you know they're seeing their team get embarrassed against you know. B- Paul George blocking, you know, blocking these guys, abusing the Chinese basketball team. I mean, it's almost, it's, it's sad. Almost. I mean, it's sad I, to watch. And the correlation of that, I think the winner of the week is USA basketball. Exactly. They must be loving this. It's basically like practice. It's I like think. going to the park and playing like five-year-olds. Exactly. I mean, and they're getting ready to have a monstrous Olympics and win the gold medal and come home and be Olympic, right. you know, gold medals again for most, for some of them at least. Um, and also for like the guys like Harrison Barnes, I mean, it's just nice to you know win, yeah. you know, a gold medal. Yeah, obviously, people were laughing at him being included, but no one else wanted to go. Exactly. But I just think that they're winners of the week um, because they're just going around beating teams in exhibitions. Exactly. And I feel like they're trying at fifty. I think they're playing at fifty percent. All of them are playing at fifty yeah. percent, while Chinese is trying to play at one hundred and ten. Right. Exactly. And to be fair, China, it's you know you're a little unlucky if we recorded this podcast maybe tomorrow maybe the loser would be venezuela cuz i don't see them doing they could, i can see venezuela scoring 35 points tonight oh, no. and usa scoring 120 yeah i think the usa could legitimately win by 90 points today it, was, it really is quite fun watching usa just dominate these uh, olympic uh, teams in in exhibitions um Anyways, uh, thank you once again, Alex, for joining us for this yeah, Fancy thanks, Basketball thanks for Podcast. And we'll look to have an episode in the upcoming weeks. Um, just a reminder, you can listen to all of our past episodes on the site at blogtalkradio slash the 94 Feet Report. Um, or you can find us on iTunes. Just search the 94 Feet Report. Um, the title is now the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. Um, but regardless, you can find us on iTunes as well. Don't forget to check out Fan Essentials because you can get all your favorite NBA teams and merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep. Um, you just go to fanessentials.net, plug in code 94FEET at checkout for 30% off your first month. Again, fanessentials.net gets you all the essentials you need for your favorite team on a monthly basis. So once again, thank you for joining us for this fantasy basketball uh, special in late July. Uh, we'll do um, a couple of more kind of training camp slash divisional previews in middle of August. But until then, uh, for the foreseeable future, we may not have an episode um, unless something major happens or we want to talk about Olympic basketball and talk about the United States blowouts. But thank you for joining us once again, the 94 Feet Report. I'm your host, Eric Spropolis. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. Check out the past episodes on the site and iTunes. Thank you very much.